0: Welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. I've been working on the Canola Digest Science Edition for 2023, and I have all sorts of new canola research on the brain. That means a new round of science-themed podcasts. The topic today is drought and heat, and what these weather effects do to canola yield. My guest is...
1: I'm Raju Sulaqan Kanahalli, research scientist with Agriculture Agri-Food Canada, based out of Saskatoon.
0: Sulana Yakinahale just completed a study called Impact of Drought and Heat During Flowering on Canola Yield. You can read the full report in the research section at saskcanola.com. Here we go, starting with a little history about our guest. Roger. how did you get into science?
1: I grew up on a farm back in India up to my grade 12, and uh, the region where I come from is pretty much very similar to South Saskatchewan, semi-arid region, the climate. And for us, like lack of soil moisture is a common phenomenon during rainy season for seeding and others. That always I used to hear from my parents, lack of moisture for seeding and others. As I completed my grade 12, one of my uncle encouraged me to take up agriculture as my career. That's when I joined BSc Agriculture at University of Agriculture Sciences, Bangalore in Karnataka state. And later I went on to do my master's in crop physiology with a focus on horticulture trees. In fact, I did my master's thesis on cashew trees, looking at water use efficiency. Upon completion of Masters, I really sensed I want to do PhD abroad. That's when I moved to University of British Columbia in Vancouver for my PhDs in forestry species, particularly poplars, the fast-growing tree species. We had uh, collections from Agriculture, Agri-Food Canada that span coast to coast, all the way from southern borders from 49th parallel all the way to Arctic. I was able to utilize this massive collection of like natural accessions to look at their growth phenology, ecophysiology and adaptation to different climates by planting them into various common gardens across the country.
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense to get into trees. There's a lot of interest on with trees around the world. But how did you move from cashew trees in India, poplar trees at UBC, to canola and other crops at... Saskatoon
1: well this is very good question Jay, and also have a fascinating answer I don't know uh, it's kind of dream come true I would say as Indians we watch a lot of Bollywood movies and for us like our heroes heroines roam around canola fields singing and dancing and that romantic view of lo- large fields of canola with trains passing with a They were shot in Europe or in Canada, I'm not sure, but that image is always fascinated. Upon completion of my PhD, I joined Agriculture PFRA, the former days at the tree improvement program, where I took over the physiology and tree breeding aspects of uh, shelterbelt at the shelterbelt center. Legal. All right. So, so
0: okay, just let's stop there for a sec, because there's a couple of cool things there. All right. So you, you did go into trees at PFRA. So that makes total sense. But then the PFRA disbanded. But I want to go back to the Bollywood image of, of people dancing around in canola fields. I actually like Bollywood movies. So I was wondering, maybe after this, you can tell me a movie that I should watch that has people in a canola field. And then I'll include that in the show notes.
1: <laughs> Definitely. But, this was the movie by, the movie name is uh, Dilwale Dulania Lejwaenge. I can provide you the link as well later. And this movie had like a mega hit in India. It almost ran for in a year across several theatres in India. And one of the songs was shot with canola fields in the background. And we were wondering what is this yellow crop and all like that. I started to learn it's canola, and finally, when I landed in Canada, I realized this is widely grown.
0: I love that story, Raju. Thanks for sharing. You're
1: welcome.
0: <laughs> well, l- let's let's get into canola for a bit. Maybe we won't dance in it right now, but we could save that for next summer. <laughs> uh, so, so, the study you did on it's called "Impact of Drought and Heat During Flowering on Canola." And the timing of this seems perfect because I think a lot of the reasons for lower canola yields over the past five years on the prairies is related to heat and drought. Is that the reason why this study got funded?
1: You are spot on, Jay. When I took over like some of the agriculture crops to research, one of the aspects I was very keen on looking at how a major Canadian agriculture co respond in response to excess heat, lack of soil moisture or flooding, or salinity. These are my interests. When I moved to Saskatoon and got relocated in January of 2015, after discussing with my colleagues here at the center, I submitted a proposal to Agriculture Development Fund to the Ministry of Saskatchewan as well as sas canola within expressing my interest that i would like to look at what would be the impacts on canola flowering and yield when there is drought alone heat alone and heat plus drought combinations
0: i've got a couple questions about the genetics but let's start with what drought and heat do to canola like why do yields drop when it's hot and dry? I mean, I could I could guess, but what's your plant physiologist
1: perspective? From our initial assessments over the project duration, what we learned was canola is more sensitive to heat than drought. The heat impacts its pollen germination, pollen viability, and seed set. Uh, those were the major impacts. Whereas drought can be mitigated if there is a rain in the forecast. A lot of canola varieties that we use here on prairies, they have the inherent genetic ability to recover and continue the growth. So uh, that's something that we realized like, okay, we have to look for heat tolerances more uh, to deal with. Wherever there are irrigation facilities, drought can be mitigated quickly by providing surface irrigation or Direct irrigations in any of those aspects depending upon where the production systems are
0: happening okay so heat is worse than drought which is really interesting i'm I'm actually working on an article for canola digest trying to figure out why certain areas of the prairies like there are certain years and certain parts of the prairies that had very good yields like average is actually above 50 bushels per acre and one of the ones I was just looking at before I talked to you was around Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Now, the really interesting thing is that Yorkton had uh, a 50 plus, the, the 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 census area around Yorkton had a 50 plus bushel canola yield in 2019. And then only, well, I mean, it was pretty good, but remember 2021, the drought year, um, yeah. the yield dropped off quite a bit. But the the two years had basically the same In season rainfall and spread nicely throughout the growing season, but 2019 was was cool. 2021 was hot, which exactly underlines what you were just saying: is that canola tends to be more tolerant of of drought, if you can say that, than certainly than it is of heat. That's
1: correct, Jay. You are spot on with your observations uh, at Yachton, how you, the yields differed between 2019 and 2021. In 2021, particularly when we look, that was one of the hottest and driest portions that we observed in the last 15, 20 years or so. Where the temperatures hovered almost 30 plus degrees for more than 35 days. And that coincided with canola flowers coming out all the way up to kind of like it fell into the pod filling stage as well. So a lot of flowers got aborted at that high temperature. My colleagues in Ottawa have shown that canola can withstand up to 29 degree temperatures during daytime. Anything above, it will have significant impact on overall seed set and yields and Particularly in 2021, temperatures were up to 35, 39 degrees. So it devastated a lot of uh, the yields due to flower abortions and improper seed sector.
0: With this study, you're looking at genetic differences. What we should talk about first is this nested association mapping, these founder lines that help you do this work. Can you tell me what the the NAM, the nested association mapping founder lines are?
1: Definitely. The nested association mapping population is a panel that Dr. Ed Butler at Cornell University designed to overcome some of the limitations of current breeding programs. What this design allowed is, you can cross a common inbred. Line was crossed with another 50 diverse founder lines to create a large population of biparental rills, uh, What is recombinant inbred lines, uh, and this led the, to creation of some 5,000 uh, recombinant lines by growing them for six generation. This activity was led by my colleagues here at Saskatoon location, Dr. Isabel Parkin, Steve Robinson. And uh, Brassica Napus breeder Sallybane. They were the champions of putting this population together. This NAM population parents contained representative of diverse lines originating from Canada, Poland, Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, Australia, North Korea, South Korea, Argentina, and China. So we captured a lot of background genetic variations for canola. And even though this population was designed to study genetic architecture of complex trait, one of the goals that our AFC scientists put was to create a resource that would be useful for canola research community as a whole. So once they created this population, it is made available to researchers within the canola community to use the use in their research activities.
0: How did you use the line for this, or the the National association mapping, the NAM lines for this particular study?
1: I utilized initially the parental lines, the 51 founder lines, uh, to see how much variation exists among these founder lines or parental lines that are used to develop the recombinant inbred population in their capacity to withstand drought, heat alone and heat plus drought combinations. For this, initially, we conducted a greenhouse study that looked where we set the temperatures at 23 degrees and grow them in large uh, garbage containers filled with soil. And we grew six plants per tub for every parental line, and we evaluated them under four conditions, well-watered at 23 degrees, droughted at 23, heat at 29 degrees, Heat and drought at 29 and stressed. So, from that study, we started to understand which are the ones that have higher yield stability under all these combinations and which ones have low yield stability. Later, we also conducted some of the oil profiles and protein quality for these populations to see how it changes as a response to stress.
0: What kind of variability yeah. did you see between? like specifically about the the heat and the drought tolerance was within those 50 lines was there a surprising amount of variability
1: there was some statistically significant variation that we observed within uh, the oil profiles where we were seeing some of the changes happening in the overall oil quality uh, in these lines some of the yield reductions under heat and drought were almost 75%. And when we look at drought alone, it was roughly 30, 32%. And heat right. was around 45%.
0: So separately, I mean, they're bad enough separately, 30 to 45%. Percent. So when when you yeah. combine the two, you can see yeah. yield losses of up to 75%. 75%. Hmm. Could breeders use this this information to... Select for for traits or genes, or are we there yet?
1: I'm closely totally working with our uh, canola breeder Sally Vale to analyze this data thoroughly and identify the donor lines that we can identify now, which are drought tolerant, heat tolerant, or heat plus drought tolerant. We already have the real populations uh, that we can go and evaluate them in the field. What we did. In the same project itself, Sally Vale was able to plant these all the rills, the 6th generation recombinant input lines at Outlook Facility under irrigation and rainfed conditions, uh, as well as in Saskatoon. We evaluated them for phenological traits like when they flower, uh, when they mature, as well as some of the other physiological traits, in along with collecting yield and oil quality data. Right now, we are analyzing some of these rills to see are there any lines that we can pick from these uh, Nam populations that can be yeah. further used as a open pollinated variety to grow for stress tolerance or that can be in in hybrid breeding programs.
0: I want to go into another part of this project where you studied treatments for for heat and drought w- ways to perhaps help the crop yield better and two two of the things that you mentioned in the report were sulfur and aspartic acid C- can you tell me first about sulfur and the relationship that you discovered between sulfur and drought or heat tolerance
1: canola have a characteristically high sulfur demand building their vegetative growth for synthesis of proteins. To produce one ton of canola seed, we require the plant requires roughly a minimum of 16 kilos of sulfur to be applied. And if you compare that to uh, one ton of wheat grain production, it is roughly three kgs sulfur de- needs. So canola has almost like five times the sulphur needs compared to wheat production systems. Plants take up the sulphur in a metabolically inactive form known as sulphates from the soil, and it is then uh, assimilated into cysteine, one of the amino acids. And what we found in our study was the the during stress conditions and the heat and drought. The canola plants were making a lot of cysteine and the sulfur was diverted for cysteine production and this cysteine helped to close the stomata in that way the water loss is minimized from the plant surface or plant canopies where this high cysteine production led to increase in abscessic acid which is one of the stress hormone that leads to stomatal closures. What this led was, in turn, this high level of cysteine diversion led to lower oil biosynthesis because sulfur was all deviated to deal with stress rather than producing oil biosynthesis. In addition, what we found was like with the decrease in the sulfate in the soil and availability of uh, nitrate also get uh, reduced during drought stress because if the plants can't pick up sulfur from soil due to lack of soil moisture, then nitrate also gets re- reduced. In turn, this leads to reduced photosynthesis overall. So, moving forward, what we are interested in is to understand the balance between nitrogen and sulfur ratios to have that yield stability and better oil quality.
0: Back to the availability of sulfur in the soil, so it's possible then that farmers, if if they applied more sulfur, thinking that they were going to get more drought or heat tolerance, that really it's it's just that the plant can't access the sulfur, or or is it an issue of supply?
1: What you propose, Jay, is one of the strategies for managing sulfur during stress seeds. A lot of studies have shown that priming the seed with sulfur during early germination stage can withstand some of the stress related signals but as the plant tree gets into vegetative phase sulfur availability in the soil is very key for mitigating some of the stress. What I am interested next uh, with the conclusion of this project and report to ADF and SAS Canola is I am interested to look this uh, NAM founder lines for physiologically efficient sulfur use efficiency. In other words, if I put it, I want to look them for sulfur use efficiency uh, that may have value in for canola breeding programs aimed at improving stress tolerance, grain yield, and overall oil seed quality.
0: As you know, of course, Raju, we talk a lot about nitrogen use efficiency in canola for good reason. But yes, we. Uh, uh, this might be the first time I've heard the term sulfur use efficiency, but for yeah. canola that could be a, a key factor in some climate resilience or heat drought resilience.
1: That's correct, Jay. Yeah, looking at uh, sulfur use efficiency, not only just sulfur uptake efficiency, sulfur assimilation efficiency becomes very important to understand how canola how modern canola hybrids utilize sulfur. Sulfur leads to oil synthesis. Sulfur also deals with mitigating stress, heat stress, drought stress. So whether the current application rates of sulfur is adequate or we need to retweak some of it, I'm not sure, but that's something we are very much interested to study further and understand the sulfur use efficiency of our Nam population as well as some of the modern canola hybrids that farmers grow here on prairie. Well, could
0: we say at a minimum that if if um, soil tests suggest that sulfur might not be high enough for canola that that farmers make sure to to use an adequate sulfur rate as a as a way to manage this based on what we know at this stage?
1: Absolutely. That's the best way to start with. Look at the soil analysis if there is sulfur deficiency. Talk to the local agronomist and ensure that adequate sulfur is applied before canola gets seeded.
0: Can you tell me about aspartic acid?
1: What this aspartic acid or aspartate does is it serves as a critical component uh, for plant diabetic processes such as inhibiting leaf senescence, uh, uh, chlorophyll formations, pollen development. These are all the, some of the role that aspartic acid does within the plant. During stress, heat and drought, aspartic acid accumulation in the leaf increases in canola uh, during short periods of drought episodes. And this, bene- this mechanism has benefited as it prevents the death of leaves and conserves both nitrogen and carbon within the leaf. And as the canola leaf survives short period of drought, any episodes of rain in the forecast, the canola plant don't have to reinvest producing new leaves. The old leaves are adequate as they have withstand the heat and drought. They should now be normally photosynthesized and continue most of the yields towards seed production rather than producing new leaves. So it plays that vital role to sustain already produced leaves for an additional eight to ten days.
0: Eight to ten days. okay. so so if yeah. you have eight to ten days of 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 drought, are we saying like then then if you have enough aspirtic acid, those leaves are are likely to survive that.
1: Is that what you're saying? Yes. If there is like, say the moisture, if the rain is in forecast for in the next seven days, if high levels of aspartic acid there, that can all of sustain. And as soon as rain comes, you know the normal functions begin. So it just gives that interim relief to the crop to deal with stress right. by so having you, high levels of aspartic acid.
0: It protects the leaves so that they don't yeah. die. So, die. like you said, when the rain comes back, the plant doesn't have to put energy Mm -hmm. into rebuilding its leaves it can just start um, producing yield again yes that's correct now did you did you discover differences between the cultivars within the nam population in terms of its uh, aspartic acid response to drought or the its production levels of aspartic
1: acid what we did in our study was we took the lines that were drought and heat tolerance and drought lines that were susceptible or sensitive to heat and drought. When we ran the study utilizing these two line contrasting genotypes from the NAMM founders, what we found was like the drought tolerant variety had higher levels of aspartic acid in the leaves uh, when the drought progressed for eight to nine days in our uh, greenhouse studies grown in large soil filled tubs. That's when we realized. Oh, this is very interesting. Then the literature also supports that in other studies, such as like corn, uh, wheat, people have looked at aspartic acid as a, a stress response uh, amino acid.
0: Right. Okay. So you looked at two two of the lines, one susceptible yeah. and one relatively tolerant, and you, you saw big big differences in aspartic acid. What do we do with this information? Like, I, I think sometimes we we think that okay, now we can go and spray this product on a crop and it'll it'll help. Are we there yet, or are, are we even close to saying something like that with
1: canola? With canola, they would say not so close yet, because there are no published field studies where people have sprayed aspartic acid. There are. Other crop species where people have successfully sprayed aspartic acid and mitigate some of the stress impacts for drought and heat.
0: I just want to close with with a final thought, and maybe you'll be repeating some of the things that we already talked about, but that's okay. A a final thought on how farmers might be able to use this information in in 2024. Is Is there anything you can? say to farmers at this stage, or is it still too early?
1: At least we can make recommendations that they do their soil test thoroughly on their canola fields prior to planting. If there is any deficiency in sulfur, it is very important to make sure that the recommended dose of sulfur or canola production systems is met prior to planting. In that way, at least, you are dealing with the dual components, oil biosynthesis, and dealing with stress. So you can kill two birds with the same stone.
0: So interesting. Thank you, Raju, for doing this work.
1: Thank you, Jay. My pleasure. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Raju
0: Sulanayakanahale is a plant physiologist and research scientist with Agriculture and Agrifood Canada in Saskatoon. You can find the full report of his study, Impact of Drought and Heat During Flowering on Canola Yield, in the research section at sascanola.com. Then, later in the day after you've read that report and you're ready to wind down, watch the 1995 Bollywood movie Dilwale Dilhania Le Gyenge and see how flowering canola can enhance a love story. It also goes by the abbreviation DDLJ. Search DDLJ movie, 1995.
1: Majority of my generation, we associate uh, falling in love with that moon.
0: Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. Thank you very much for listening.